So, so Bob actually just invited, he said, how's it working? How's it going? So I'm going to give a quick opportunity for a testimony. How's it going? Have you tested God? Are you, are you giving tithing? And anyone have a story of God's faithfulness or how it's, how it's going for you? You might still be in that time of, man, I'm, 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 I'm giving, I'm being faithful, but I'm still looking for the blessing coming back, because that's real. Anyone have a, have a quick testimony as I write my check? And we, we, in a minute, we're going to receive an offering. That wasn't actually part of it, but this is a great segue. Thanks, Bob. Um, and uh, so as, as we look for an opportunity, if somebody wants to share a quick testimony on, on giving, this is a great time, because it's hard to talk and write. Yeah. And I might write too many zeros. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, this is like the, you know, it's an uncomfortable one, huh? The money. And if you're visiting with us, and, and uh, you know, I just want to tell you, man, this is what the enemy likes to do. I went to church, and the last time I went, that's all they talked about was money. Well, how long ago was that? It was 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, we're not going to believe this part. It's, uh, he, is, he is faithful. I've got so many stories, you know, personally. And, and, you know, sometimes it's hard. You know, Shannon and I, I mean, this this is weird, maybe, but... You know, the church pays my salary, but I tithe, huh? But because we believe in it, it's still the principle. We we give ten percent ourselves, um, and uh, and you know, it's sometimes it's hard. Where we put our oldest son into college, and it's there's costs to go with that, and it's tempting to to say, you know, Lord, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna do it. So, um, but he's he's been so faithful. I remember just a quick a quick one. Um, you know how he he met our needs years ago when we were missionaries in in Guatemala we were we were still giving and tithing and, and when we were there um, we were at home uh, for about six weeks just to you know visit people and raise support and things and and I'm reconciling our bank account and we had made a I had made a huge error in the bank's favor and and it was like an $800 error. Well, you know, we, we lived on hardly anything. And so we realized right then that we absolutely had zero money. And we were leaving the next day to drive up north and then fly out of, out of there. And we didn't even have gas money to do this. And so as we're packing, I remember this vividly, we're staying at, uh, at my sister, Mike and, Trish, uh, Mike and Trish's house. And, and I'm, I'm just devastated. I'm, I'm, I, I, I realized we're, we're just broken. I tell Shannon, I said, we don't have any money. I said, we don't even have money to, for gas tomorrow to go up. And, and she, she is, she's folding the clothes, which she's an amazing folder, by the way. She's folding the clothes. Um, she didn't even, I don't even think she looked up. She says, well, God will just have to provide. And I'm like, well, he'll have to do it by tomorrow morning. <laughs> And how is that going to happen, right? I mean, like, this is late at night, and we're leaving the first thing in the morning. And so um, I had gotten a call that day from um, where, where I had been working at the time, and they said, we have your W-2 or whatever it was from, from last year, and can, you know, why don't you come by and pick it up? I'd like to say goodbye before you guys leave. And so we went by to go pick up my W-2 or W-4, whatever it is, at the end of the year, and and they said, you know, God really put it on our heart. We hadn't been supporting you, and we want to start supporting you, and here's an envelope. 
And did I? <laughs> Once again, my wife was right. He'll have to do it, you know, he'll have to do it in the morning. And he did. You know, he just, he's just good. Um, as the, the, the ushers would come forward, if we have any, I don't even know if we have any. I guess we, everyone turns around, good. welcome, I get you're our usher today. <laughs> wow, thanks, thanks. Jim Reedy is out of town, and I think it was a spontaneous trip because we, yeah, communion or ushering did get taken care of this morning for that part. But if you're going to give this morning, let's do something, we don't do this very often, just hold up what you're giving. Fathers, we give this to you, God, sometimes it hurts, it's difficult. Um, but Father, we, we're just giving, we're surrendering this part of our life, our, our finances. God, we ask that you would continue to meet our needs. But Lord, we want to sow into the kingdom of God. Father, we um, believe that you will provide for us. But we also, Lord, believe that you want to expand your kingdom. And so, Lord, we want to be part of that. We want to be part of the ministry that's happening here at this church. I believe in this church, God. And, and so as we give today, bless the offering, expand the kingdom, meet the needs, but go beyond just meeting the needs, God. God, let this, let this be seed and, uh, that we might sow into the kingdom of God through the work and the ministry here, Lord. Let the lost come to know you, Father. Let us be strengthened as, as believers here. Bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Norm and Susan, for jumping up so quickly. You know, this, this week I've had a couple of opportunities to just talk about you know, talk about things that have happened in the past and, and, and how the Lord is faithful. This morning we're going to be in the book of Joshua. Surprise, surprise. We're going to keep getting through. Um, we're going to be in the chapter 9, um, the treaty with the Gibeonites. And this is a great chapter. Um, we, we see the, um, the Israelites have, have just won their battle at Ai. Of course, they defeated Jericho. They had a loss at Ai at first. We talked about that. And now they're, they're going in and, and they're going to begin their, their campaign of, you know, just going in to the promised land and what the Lord says, take it over, annihilate. But it's about, it's about, um, occupying the land which God has for us. And that's a great message we'll get, we'll get to that God wants us to occupy what He's given us. That means fully subdue it. And we need to keep pressing in in our lives. And that's, that's not going to be the message this morning. And so they're about to go, go in in chapter nine. And so let's just, we're going to kind of skim this. Father, as we get into the word, we know that your word is true and that you have a message for us today. So Father, speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's basically the setup. People are beginning to shake in their boots is what's kind of happening here. They saw Jericho fall. I mean, that's pretty miraculous. Then they, they you know, AI gets defeated. These guys are coming. Even before that, the, the Israelites were defeating people on the other side of the Jordan. And so these kings are, are kind of getting, up, getting worried. And so they begin to make a treaty to say, let's, let's join together to defeat the Israelites because they know that they're coming. And so funny thing is, is that often these guys are fighting amongst themselves anyways, but they're saying, listen, you know, uh, you know that, that saying, um, my, uh, my enemy's enemy is now my friend, right? And this is kind of what's happening. You know, it's like, well, that's my enemy. And if that's his enemy together, we're going to be friends to, you know, to do this. So they begin to get together. Well, there was another little place called Gibeon. And they had a different thought. They didn't want to join together. In fact, they, they realized that whatever was going to happen, 
the Israelites were going to come in and annihilate them. So they didn't join up with this other group. Instead, they come up with this plan to deceive the Israelites. And their plan was, was really simple. They put on really old clothes, worn out sandals. They got some old moldy bread, put it in some old um, pouches, and they come. Now, Gibeon is just about 20 miles away from Gilgal where they're at. And so they're coming from like 20 miles, and, 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 but they make it look like they've been traveling for months or some crazy thing because their shoes are worn out and their bread's moldy. And they come disheveled and they, and they find the Israelites and they say, we've come from a far off land and we want to make a treaty with you. Um, it could be a smart idea here. And so let's, let's read here. Um, Verse 6, they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we've come from a far country, now therefore make a covenant with us. So the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? Good job. Hey, wait a second, you know, you might be like right around the corner and we've got to destroy you if you're close, so hey, what about this? And they said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? And they said to him, from a very far country your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God, for we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. And stop there. Does that sound, we've been reading the book of Joshua. Does that sound familiar? That sounds like what Rahab said. We've heard of what you're doing and our hearts are melting. And, you know, so, so Joshua's going, oh, we've heard this before. And, and so the fame is going. And so, so they're, they're talking about how they, they heard about it. Now, they were wise because they didn't talk about um, the fall at Ai or at Jericho. And that was wise because that just happened. And if they would have said, well, we heard about that, so we came to you, they would have said, wait a second, that just happened. You know, so so they're, they're keeping up with their story. You ever find someone who's lying to you, and it's just you know they're lying, but you're looking for that one thing that you can, you know. And so they go, and say, so this bread of ours we took hot from our provisions from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. Um, but now look, it's dry and moldy, and these wineskins which we filled were new, and see they're torn, and these are garments, and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. I'm going to stop there for a second. So... These are my credentials, moldy bread. You know, I'm thinking, you know, if they were coming from, maybe they should have brought something else of, of the treaty. This is where I think they're getting a little, a little weak in their, their promise. So the, the men of Israel, verse 14, they took their provisions and they did not ask counsel of the Lord. If you're going to highlight anything in this verse, this is it. And this is the message today. They did not seek counsel from the Lord. So they listen to the story. Sounds pretty good. Good story. Here's, here's the proof. Here's the moldy bread and the, the messed up wine sacks. And this must be true. This is the second time, by the way, that this is about to happen already. And so, it, and so Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. This is the second time that Joshua has led the people without seeking the Lord. And the first one was going up to Ai. And they were defeated. And that's not very long ago. So now here he is again. And they're just going, you know, 
I, I don't know what they're thinking, but part of us, man, we're just we're going and we're, we're God's doing things and this is just going to be great. And so you're, you look like you're far away. We're going to make a covenant with you. That's no problem. And it says in verse 16, it happened at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. So the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. And it says their cities were Gibeon, Shapira, Beeroth, Kirjath, Jerem. And it says, but the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel and all the congregation complained against the rulers. You know, th this really meddles with us because, you know, we live in a time that we make an agreement with someone and we just go, well, they broke their side, I'm out. You know, they broke their side, we're not going to meet ours. We're taught to do that. And Joshua and the rulers have said, listen, we have made a covenant by God that we are not going to kill them. Even though they lied to us, they are going to uphold their side of the covenant. And the people are not happy. But they, they don't attack Gibeon. Well, what we find out in the next chapter, which I encourage you this week to read Joshua chapter 10, is one of the greatest miracles in the Bible. And so, so and the miracle happens because the Israelites, not only are they not going to kill the Gibeonites, they go to defend them because what's about to happen is those other kings who are making plans together to fight Israel, they're like, listen, Gibeon went off and joined with them. Let's kill Gibeon first. And so they're, the, the other kings are about to go attack Gibeon, and Gibeon calls to Joshua and says, listen, you've got to come and defend us. Now, here's how my mind thinks. Okay, I made a treaty that I shouldn't have, but we're going to be faithful to it. Here's my opportunity to let them die, not by my hand. Right? I mean, and then I'm like, oops, they died. <laughs> what a bummer. <laughs> and I'm sure none of you in here would think like that because you're all so much holier. Right? I mean, you know, this is that meddling thing. Like, wait, this, I mean, really, it even seems like this is how... This is how God would work, isn't it? How many times have we said that? Well, this is, this is how God, God would work. I, we listen to Adventures in the Odyssey all the time, and, and if you've ever listened to that, you'll know the reference. But um, you know, John Whitaker is kind of the, the, the hero in this, and it's a weekly show on Focus on the Family. And, and they were praying about something, and something great happened. And somebody says, well, well you know, Whit, how come you're not happy about this? Isn't this how God works? We prayed and it happened. Isn't this how God works? And I loved his answer. And I'm, I want, I'm trying to adopt this and I'm not doing very good. He says, you know, I'm not an expert on how God works. You know, God works in... <laughs> we know that one, huh? We might not know any other... We don't know any scriptures in the Bible, but we know that God works in mysterious ways. It's not even in the Bible. But it's true that God works in mysterious ways. And who are we to think that we know how God works, especially when it's outside of the Bible? And then we realize that he does so many things that, like one time, you know, you know, he healed somebody by, by touching them. And another time he told them to go wash. And another time, this is the one I love about Jesus' healings. What do you want to do? I want to see. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's do that on a Sunday morning. Jesus spits in the dirt, makes mud, puts it on the guy's eyes, and he becomes clean and, and healed. And you go, how, so how did Jesus heal? However he wanted. How does God work? However he wants. But he's limited to what he's put up in his word. He's never going to he's never going to go contrary to his word. But boy, there's a lot of ways, you know, that, that sometimes that's why we've got to seek the Lord. Now, in this, the Lord had said, don't make a treaty. You have to go and utterly destroy them. And so they needed the Israelites. They needed to seek the Lord. They needed to seek him with all said, Lord. Do you want us to make a treaty? Instead, they re they relied on man's wisdom. And we, we do that all the time, we, we, and it's godly. We go to godly men and women. But we need to become people who would seek the Lord. There'd be, there, there's a number of things that we need to do. We need to seek the Lord. We need to pray. God, give me wisdom. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously without finding fault. Ask God, what would you have me do in this situation? We need to go to the Word, and we begin to read what does the Bible have to say? Does the Bible say anything about this situation? And don't just go to your favorite verse. You know, seek the Lord. Seek the Word of God. Now, the Bible says that we are supposed to seek counsel. So we have the Lord, the Word, and we also seek biblical counsel. Now, I encourage you, when you, when you are in this quandary and you're seeking the Lord and you're reading the Word and you're really trying to find in all the Word and you're using a concordance and you're, you're asking people different, you know, you know, do you know any scriptures the Bible says about this? And you're, you're doing a good search in the Word that you would find some people that you really believe are godly and have wisdom. But make sure you pick in there one or two that you believe are going to disagree with you. Because you know how we, we can stack the deck. You can, go, you, you can go to a godly person who's going to give you the answer that you want because we're all fallible. I remember years ago I wanted to buy a car. And I was, wasn't married yet, and I wanted to get a loan for a car. And, uh, and so I was you know, praying about it and, and saying, God, I really want this car, so you're going to please give it to me. I don't even know if I was asking whether I should do it. I mean, I, I, I wanted it. And I thought, well, I probably should get some counsel. And I began to think, this is where Revelation came for me, I began to think about who I'd go to ask. Well, some different pastors and leaders came to mind. And, and immediately, I started ruling some of them out. Because I knew that their stance was, don't get into debt, period. And I went, you know, if I go and ask them, they're going to say no. Now, this person really likes cars and likes nice things, and they love God, too. So if I ask them, they'll probably say, well, is it a good car? Is it valuable? Then go ahead and do it. And I know that none of you have ever done this. <laughs> you know, it's like, so we seek the Lord, we seek his word, and then we get counsel. And, and, and we don't stack the deck. We say, okay, Lord, I want to know. This is what Israel needed to do, and they didn't. This is what Israel absolutely had to do, and they didn't. I want to talk a little bit about the, the Gibeonites. And so, so here's what kind of happens. Um, I gotta remember where, where, where it stops. Because uh, I don't want to go into next week's. Okay. So, Joshua realizes, three days later, they realize the Gibeonites are just like the neighbors up the road, 20 miles. That's like, you know, they're from Arrow Bear or something. And, you know, we would never make a treaty with somebody from Arrow Bear or Running Springs. <laughs> Lucerne Valley on the other side. Oh, help us. 
you know, just kidding is what I said for that on the recording. Okay. Um, and so they don't attack him. Verse 19, then all the rulers said to the congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And take this serious. You know, Jesus really makes it more simple. He, he does. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We don't need to swear by anything. We need to be people of our word. And so, but they're, they're teaching this to the, ki- to the children of Israel now. I was going to say the kids. We've sworn by the Lord God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. So this is what we'll do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. And the rulers said to them, let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation as the rulers had promised them. And Joshua called them and he spoke. He says, why have you deceived us? We are very far from you when you dwell near us. Now, therefore, you are cursed and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua and said, because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you the land and to destroy the inhabitants, we were very much afraid of our lives. And so here we are in your hands. Do with us as it seems good and right to do. Oh, that's that, you know, because they go, okay, I think they know enough about them. These are God-fearing people. They will do what the Lord says. They will be faithful to their covenant and their commitment. So go ahead and do whatever seems right to you because they know it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. You know, when we live a life of righteousness and holiness and we become people of our word and integrity, people can come up and say, you know what? Whatever you want to do, you can do. Why? Because I know it's going to be just. It's going to be fair. That's what we want our testimony to be in the world. That people would not be afraid of the things that we would say because it would be just and fair and right. Doesn't, and then just and fair and right doesn't mean we're always going to agree with, with people. And so here we are in your hands. Do what this seems good to you. And so they delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel. And they didn't kill them. And says, that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in this place, which he would choose even to this day. Verse, chapter 10 gets fun. We'll do that next week. So this is the Gibeonites and their deception. And now, so basically... Joshua's upset. The people are very upset, but they're, they're going to be faithful to their word. I think Joshua's going to learn, I need to seek the Lord. It's a lesson we definitely have to learn. And so let's talk a little bit about Gibeon now. So we have something that's a mistake that God's going to redeem. The Gibeonites, you will see them as you're reading through the Bible, you're going to see them a few more times. You're going to see them, or you're going to see the place of Gibeon as the place that the temple of God dwells until Solomon builds his temple. The temple of God ends up in Gibeon. And Gibeon is just about five miles away from Jerusalem, five to six miles. And eventually it's Jerusalem, right? That's where the temple of God it becomes. But until Solomon builds the temple, they put it in Gibeon. In Gibeon, we're going to see some big uh, battles won. And Gibeon is a place where Solomon has this amazing vision from the Lord, a dream. The Gibeonites show up all the way when Ezra, after being in captivity, comes out of Babylon to rebuild the walls. The Gibeonites are there helping to rebuild the walls of the temple. And so God's redemption, you know, when, when we begin to read the Bible now, when you begin to read it and you, you hear about Gibeon, you go, wait a second. Wait a second, we know about the Gibeonites. And here they show up again. And there's, you know, and all these things. And so I love that, that the, the Gibeonites are there at the rebuilding of the temple. See, because God, he's faithful. Now, here's another thing that happens. 
after David becomes king and then he's withdrawn from his throne because of his son and his son's coup and David's kind of running. After his son dies and David retakes the throne, famine comes over Israel. This is kind of a little history, but it ties in with this. A famine comes over all of Israel for three years and they realize it's because Saul had killed Gibeonites. He broke the treaty himself and he began to slaughter the Gibeonites. And so years later, a famine comes and David realizes that it's because of them still not holding to the treaty. You mean we still have to be faithful to our word? Yeah, we're still faithful to the word. And so years and years later, God says, listen, you made a treaty with them. All of Israel, Saul, I don't care who you are. You don't break the treaty. So David realizes this is why there's a punishment on Israel. And so he goes and he talks to the Gibeonites and says, we've offended, we've sinned. We've, we've done this. this is in the book of, I believe, 2 Samuel. He says, what would you have? And he says, you know, this is, this is what we want. We want, give us seven leaders and from Saul's household. Seven people from Saul's household. So David goes and rounds up seven people from Saul's household. And they kill him as an offering as a repentance. Now again, Old Testament's really, really hard, you know, to but but they actually kill these descendants of Saul and and God's um, curse lifts off of Israel. Now now quickly I'm gonna throw in there, David had made a covenant with one of Saul's uh, kin, and it was Mephibosheth, and so he leaves him alone, but he kills Ishbosheth and some of the other I was like, oh my gosh, this is all in the Bible. You guys don't need to read, watch TV. There's amazing stories in the Bible. And you go, wow. And, and, and you know, we're like, this is amazing what, what happened. So this is all about you know, Gibeon. So the Israelites, because of their treaty, they had to be faithful to, faithful to carry that out. And the Lord, he said, you know, I never wanted you to make a treaty. But because you did, you're still going to be faithful. You know, I, I, I think that when we get married, we should do it before the Lord. I think we should, should do it and celebrate with other Christians. I believe that you should do it with, with counsel before you get married. That's, that's what I encourage. That's what I suggest. That's what I think that we should do. But if you get married by Elvis... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it a marriage? Well, you know... You know, we probably shouldn't have gotten married, and we just went to Vegas anyways, and so it's probably not a big deal if we get divorced. No. Even though it's maybe not something you should have done, and that God wanted you to do, covenant is covenant. We keep our covenants. The, the Lord is the one who needs to break them. If the Lord breaks it, you know. Okay. But the big part, another big part is, are we going to seek the Lord? Are we going to give them an opportunity to speak into our lives? Seek the Lord for everything. And, and I, we don't want to. I'm, I'm independent. I'm a man. I want to make decisions. And I don't think I need to stand in front of my dressers and say, God, which jammies do you want me to wear tonight? <laughs> the Batman ones with the feeties. But will we seek him? God, which... Which job would you have me get? Which, what, what would you have me do? Who would you have me speak to? Would you have me go somewhere different today? Lord, I, I really want to date this person. Would, would, you, would you want me to date this person? 
God, I want to buy this house. I want to buy this car. These are these decisions that, that, are, that can really come to us. We can seek the Lord. God, do you want me to be friends with them? How close of friends do you want me to be? And, and probably you're going, really? Why not? See, we make a lot of decisions on our own, but what if we just began to seek the Lord? And, and you know, that doesn't mean we don't ever make decisions. I, Pastor Jeff used to say this. You know, a ship, a moving ship, is a lot easier to steer than one that's just sitting still. So yeah, we're, we're, we're making, we're making mo- motions and moves towards things, but we're seeking the Lord so that if he closes a door, we say, Lord, I'm not going to walk through the door. God, give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear, a heart to understand what you would have me do. And I'm feeling that this is okay and appropriate, and, and so I'm going to begin to walk, but God, I want to hear from you. Make sense? Yeah. Seek the Lord. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These other things, they'll be added to you as well. So the, the lesson, one of the lessons out of this, book, this uh, chapter in Joshua is just is that. God, I'm going to seek you and I'm going to trust you. Now, let me say something else about Gibeon real quick. I, I almost passed over this. and it's, They made a mistake and made the treaty with Gibeon. And so what did they make, make the Gibeonites do? Anyone remember? Woodcutters and water carriers. Do you ever think about the sacrifices in the temple and all the temple duties of the priests? There's a lot of fire. There is a lot of fire going on for what? Sacrifices, for worship. What else is another thing that they do a lot in the temple? Cleanse it, wash it, purify it. They took a pagan nation who they weren't supposed to be friends with and says, you're going to be our servants. But they didn't just say, come and you know, sweep my floors. They said, you're going to cut the wood for the altar. You're going to carry the water for the temple. And you're going to spend your days all around the worship of God, all around the presence of God. And so that after a time, they would be wrapped and they would understand God. And they wouldn't continue to be this pagan nation. Rather than just allowing this pagan nation, well, now we got to let them in. And, you know, they actually, wisdom, wisdom from on high says, you're going to be here, but you're going to spend all your time serving the temple, the presence of God. You know, that whenever we have a problem, whenever we make a mistake, ours needs to be, let's get back. Let's take this mistake to the temple. Let's take this to the Lord. Whatever it is, wrong relationships, anything that we're in, we're going to take these things to God. We're going to bathe ourselves in all of our problems and all of our issues in the word of God, in the presence of God. That's a wonderful lesson. Most of the time, though, we're, we're, we're more likely to say, well, I made a mistake. So what am I going to do? I'm going to run away from the presence of God. Because I don't, I, don't I don't want guilt. I don't know what to do with this. And no, church, let's run always back to God and bring it back to Him. This morning was amazing in our time of worship. He loves me. Oh, He loves us. You know, that is true. Last week's message was, was hard. I still believe it was, it was absolutely from, from the throne of God Himself. And it was a hard message. But then He comes, the very first thing the next week as we gather together is, I love you. I love you. You know, sure, sometimes we're convicted and, we're, and we hear a hard message and we're, we're, we're uh, you know, he, he meddles with us. That's the word I was thinking, I was thinking mingle notes. Meddle, he meddles with us. Who was meddled with this week? Anyone brave enough to say they're meddled with? I was meddled. He meddles with us because he loves us. He says, I've got something better for you. Follow me. Follow me. Give it to me. And he says, but I love you. That's why I'm doing this. And all you parents, 
who were once children, who your parents said to you, I'm doing this for your good because I love you, said, I'm never going to tell my children that. And 25 years later, you're looking at your children saying, I'm doing this because I love you and I want more for you. And they say, I hate you or whatever they said. And it says, I'm never going to do that to my kids. And you just laugh to yourself because you know in 25 more years, they're going to say the exact same thing. And God is saying that to us today. I tell you these things because I love you and I have something better for you. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Seek me first. And all these other things, they'll be added to you as well. We need to be those people who would really seek God and not just say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but pretty much I do what I want to do. We're going to invite him into our life. Can we stand this morning? So we're standing now. We're not hiding from God. We've got the blood flowing again. We just want to come to him today. Come just as you are. Come just as you are today. Come and see. Come receive. Father, this morning we come to you. And Lord, I know that every one of us is in a, in a slightly different place in our walk with you and what you're doing in our lives. God, some of us are bringing a lot of burdens today. We're seeking your face. Some of us are just carrying the burdens. We don't know what to do with them. Some of us don't realize that the things that we're carrying are burdens that you'd like to take them from us. God, wherever we're at today, Lord, today, right now, God, we want to come to you and give you our, our burdens. We want to give you our lives. And we want to commit to you that we'll, we'll seek your face, seek you first. We'll come. God, we'll exchange yokes with you. We'll give you our burdens. And we'll seek your face. We'll seek an answer from you for the things that you have for us and the things you want from us. God, but I get busy and I run headlong into things. And I'm going to forget. Lord, remind me to stop the train and to go to you and seek you and to seek the word and to seek counsel. God, teach us that, that principle. God, you have a plan for my life. You have a plan for my day. I want to be a part of your plan. I don't want you to just bless what I want to do. God, help us to, to seek you today. Help us to ask wisdom from you and guidance. Well, we want to commit fresh our lives. We thank you for forgiveness and freedom and redemption and cleansing, all in the blood of Jesus. We commit this time, this, this message into your hands to say, keep it in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.